Welcome to Aircrew Interview, I'm Mike and your host. In this episode we chat to the 2021 RAF Typhoon display pilot, James Sainty. In the first half, Sainty shares his early beginnings in aviation, going through flying training, being selected to fly the Typhoon, the simulator, DACT and more. In the second half, Sainty shares how he became the 2021 display pilot, how the routine is created, his favourite manoeuvres and shows, his most memorable moment and connecting with the public. We wrap up with some questions from our patrons and some personal ones from myself. So if you like what we do here and would like to support the channel, you can do this by donating monthly at patreon.com forward slash aircrewinterview. Thank you and enjoy. So Sainty, when did you first become interested in aviation? So I was nine years old at the Sunderland Air Show. My father took me to see the uh, aircraft displaying there. Uh, I saw the Red Arrows uh, and the Harrier displaying and absolutely hooked from that point on. Mm -hmm. So what year did you actually join the Air Force? I joined the Air Force uh, in 2009. I actually joined the Air Cadets when I was 13. Uh, and then that hooked me into aviation. For following uh, the Sunderland Air Show, I, I was advised by the Craze Office to join the Air Cadets at 13. But officially I joined the Royal Air Air Force at uh, 2009, age 18 years old. Nice one. So can you talk us through some of the aircraft you started training on? Yeah, sure. So the first aircraft I ever flew was as an air cadet. Uh, it was the Grob Vigilant at RAF Topcliffe. Uh. Did a little bit of time on the uh, Grob Tutor at RAF Leeming. Uh, but once I was in the Air Force, obviously, uh, the training system I went through would have been the, the Grob Tutor at RAF Witten uh, with 57 Squadron. I was then streamed fast jets to fly the Takano on 72 Squadron at RAF Linton on Ouse. Uh, and then from there, I was Core 7 on the new Hawk T2 with the military flying train system at RAF Valley, which was 4 Squadron. Uh, from there, I was very fortunate to be streamed to the Typhoon uh, to 29 Squadron to conduct the uh, operational conversion unit. So, can you talk us through some of your flying training? Yeah, sure. So, uh, like I said, I was uh, uh, sent to RAF Witten to uh, fly on 57 Squadron, the Grob Shooter. I got approximately uh, 60 to 70 hours there, and that's basically where you cut your teeth uh, flying-wise. So, you do a little bit of low-level navigation circuits first, go first solo, do a little bit of low-level navigation, a bit of formation flying, a bit of instrument flying, so we get an instrument sort of uh, pseudo instrument rating on the Grob Tutor, uh, so we're exposed to what it's like flying in cloud. And that point there, the uh, score your performances on every sortie, uh, and at the end of the training, the, uh, the rank of the course um, in order and then the sort of top uh, sort of top third will be streamed to fast jet middle third go to rotary and then the bottom third go to multi-engine uh, but there is a little bit of leeway in there if you don't want to go fast jet and you want to go to multis then you can select that as well or tell them your preferences so they do listen to your preferences as well so that was uh, my initial training I was then very lucky to um, be streamed to uh, fast jet to conduct basic fast jet training at RF Linton News on 72 Squadron, lovely place next to uh, York. Uh, there I did about 110 hours on the Takano, and again it's very similar start, you start off going for the first solo, uh, you do some circuit training and then you get into instrument flying, and then at that point there you're now into the low level environment flying, low level navigation, formation flying, formation aerobatics, uh, culminating in kind of uh, an end of course check where you do kind of a climb to height, join the airways, fly to a certain location, maybe Scotland, enter low level, fly low level, land somewhere like Prestwick, turn the jets there and then do the exactly the same on the way back uh, and at the end you find out whether you've got your wings or not. <laughs> so from there uh, I was then uh, sent to RAF Valley on the uh, Hawk T2 
So one of the first courses, Course 7, uh, to fly the new uh, trainer uh, with four squadron for the military flying training system. Uh, brand new building, brand new simulators, all shiny when I arrived. Uh, and there you do um, what's called the basic phase. So I believe that's now it's 25 squadron. At the time it was called Air Flight with myself. Uh, and there you learn to fly the Hawk, you convert to the Hawk, and you used to, on that squadron, on uh, Air Flight, learn uh, the sort of um, basics of fighter maneuvering, so how we dogfight. Uh, but I believe that's now moved to four squadron on the tactical weapon side. Uh, once you've been converted to the Hawk, you then move on to the tactical weapon side. So it was B flight when I was there. So tactical weapons training, from there you're looking at um, doing some sort of uh, work with the radar. So the T2 is uh, uh, sort of cutting edge uh, with its technology, so it has a data link. So the data links between all the Hawks um, can speak to each other and give you a synthetic kind of radar picture so you can practice all the profiles that we do on the Typhoon. Um, but without actually having a real radar. Uh, and then from there, at the end, you then uh, find out where you've been role disposed once you've completed that training. So uh, at the time, it was Tornado GR4 or the Typhoon for myself. I was streamed to Typhoon. Uh, I believe uh, at, at this time now, they are using, uh, obviously, the Typhoon or the F-35. So did you always want to go into the Typhoon or did you have another type in mind? So when I was at Sunderland Airshow, I was uh, amazed by the uh, capabilities of the Harrier. Uh, the way that, yeah, exactly. The way it could uh, hover and the way it could maneuver, it was really cool. Um, so, from the early stages, I did want to fly the Harrier, uh, but unfortunately, obviously, it went out of service in 2010. So, I, after that, I definitely set my sights on the uh, Eurofighter Typhoon. Brilliant. Cool. Can you talk us through some of your ground training on the Typhoon? Yeah, so. Uh, every student will start 29 Squadron in uh, the, we call it the Typhoon Training Facility with uh, BA Systems. Uh, in there you will uh, do a full sort of six weeks grand school package. Uh, that includes things like um, looking at the systems, so the fuel systems, the avionics, how the jet is built, how the engines function. You then move on to sort of malfunctions, so how you would deal with uh, certain uh, emergency situations in the aircraft. And then you move into the simulator. So the first few simulator uh, sorties are flown with the civilian staff who are normally are all ex-military uh, pilots and navigators. Uh, at that point there, once you've learned all your checks off by heart and you've flown a few of the sorties, the QFIs or the flying instructors from 29 Squadron uh, will then come over and start your uh, official convex phase, which is the conversion to the Typhoon. Uh, and actually, interestingly, you do your first solo check in the simulator and your first flight is by yourself in a single seat fighter. Wow, really? Yeah. So what was the sim like? Because it looks like a big video game. So actually the, the Eurofighter sims are at the moment being upgraded um, to, uh, we call it TFST. Yep. Uh, the current sims at the moment, we have what's called full mission simulators. So they are uh, full 360 degree domes um, with an actual cockpit in there that flies exactly like the aircraft. We have one half dome, which is again similar, just with a half a dome. Uh, and then we have what we call EDCTs. They are part task trainers, so they're really good for practicing checks and also uh, emergency procedures. So can you talk us through your first takeoff? What was it like kicking in them reheats for the first time? Yeah, I remember, well, I was flying with a guy called Brucey. Um, it was in a two-seater, because back when I went through the operational conversion unit, we used to have a lot more two-seater aircraft. Uh, I remember we used to select 70% power on the runway. We let the engines uh, wind up. At that point, they had to release the brakes. And uh, I thought, Christ, this is accelerating really <laughs> fast. Uh, the instructor in the back, Brucey, goes, uh, saying you need to select max, uh, max power at that point. So I was oh, I'm not actually at max dry. Whoa. And then the actual profile we're flying was a, um, 
uh, performance takeoff, which you've probably seen at RF Coningsby. So I had to then select reheat, and at that point there, a bit like the Fast and the Furious, when he presses the NOS button, everything went blurry pretty quickly. And um, before I knew it, I was having to rotate on the stick uh, and get airborne in a, well, I don't know, three seconds. I felt it felt like at the time. So yeah, what is the takeoff speed? Because there must be a limit for the gear to come up. So the takeoff speed is um, dictated by the stores that the aircraft are uh, flying with. So obviously, with more weight on it, the faster we need to go to get airborne. Uh, typically, for a training mission, if you do visit RF Coningsby, uh, we are looking to rotate. If we're using dry power at about 155 knots, uh, but if you're using reheat, then we actually rotate at 130 knots. So you mentioned before that um, people have choices. How un well? How likely was it like people didn't want to go fast jet? Um, uh, surely everyone wanted to go fast jet. <laughs> on my course, actually, uh, on elementary flying training, there was. Um, a guy uh, who was ex-army and he was massively interested in flying rotary so uh, there was a few of them uh, a friendship group that actually wanted to fly uh, chinooks so they all put uh, rotary as their first choices uh, and they were successful in getting streamed to rotary so they were all very happy on the uh, on the streaming night a big party that night in the bar <laughs> i bet yeah. so what was your first operational squadron so my first operational squadron was uh, six squadron the can openers at rf lossy mouth uh, i did four years up there um, up in scotland and it was uh, an amazing time I was very fortunate uh, with my career I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, later on uh, but I was fortunate to go uh, go to Red Flag twice I did two tours in the Falklands uh, I went to Oman twice on exercise magic carpet and also uh, I was fortunate to be deployed with one squadron to uh, Trilat uh, with the F-35s and the French Rafales sorry the F-22s and the French uh, Rafales in Langley uh, and whilst also on six squadron I did two operational tours or uh, deployments to Opshader out of in Iraq and Syria. Doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, it was, that was very, very fortunate. <laughs> so, can you talk uh, a bit about DACT and the Typhoon? Yeah, so dissimilar combat training. Uh, it's so it's a. Uh, uh, it, it happens on occasions. Um, I'd like to do more of it, but uh, it's where we get airborne uh, with intent to do some visual maneuvering with another aircraft type. So uh, during the OCU, we'll fly Typhoon v Typhoon. There are instances of flying against the Hawks, but normally we usually fly against Red Typhoon. Um, so the DACT allows us to uh, fly with dissimilar aircraft with dissimilar tactics um, to obviously train ourselves to see different pictures. So I was fortunate enough uh, in Langley to. Uh, fly against the F-22 and the uh, and the Rafale with the French Air Force. I also, on my first red flag when I was a junior pilot, uh, was fortunate enough to uh, fly against an F-16 from the Aggressor Squadron out there at Nellis Air Force Base. Um, the Typhoon uh, is primarily designed as a rate fighter. So if I was to merge with another aircraft, I'm going to try and take uh, what we call the, uh, the fight two circle. So he'll be flying on his circle or her and I'll be flying on my circle. And I'm going to try and get around that circle as fast as I can because the Typhoon is designed to be very powerful. Uh, 40,000 pounds of thrust from its two EJ200s and it's designed to put a lot of G and get around that circle very quickly. For example, if I was to fight uh, something like the F-18, uh, that is designed to be a high angle of attack fighter, an alpha fighter. So he wants to take me single circle, which means he wants to turn his circle, uh, he wants to have a smaller circle than mine so he can turn inside me and shoot me. The good thing about the Typhoon is with all that excess power that we have and the rate band that we fly in, 
combined with our flight control system. So the flight control system is uh, carefree handling, so I do not have to worry about pulling the control column fully back and overstressing the jet. So my immediate action at any merge is to select full reheat, let the uh, reheat um, light, and then pull four back six, snapping immediately to 9G. Um, at that point there, if I have my helmet mounted sighted system, which is world class, I can then look over my shoulder uh, and keep my head there so I can stay tally the whole time. I don't have to keep referencing the head-up display. Another advantage of the HMSS is also I can bring my weapon system into the head-up display, sorry, into my HMSS and lock up the target that I'm fighting and shoot him from over my shoulder. So gone are the days where I actually have to get behind someone um, to be able to shoot them down, which is absolutely amazing. So Sandy, what are the strengths and weaknesses of the Typhoon? So as I've already mentioned, uh, strengths, uh, we have um, a, a phenomenal amount of power. Yeah. So the two Rolls-Royce engines, when I light those re reheat, light the reheat, I'm burning 600 kilograms of fuel a minute, but I've got 40,000 pounds of thrust. Obviously, as I climb higher, they become more efficient, and um, so I'll save fuel. So I'd say the ability to have that much power with the flight control system limiting my G so I can't overstress it, and that how easy the aircraft is to fly with all automatics means that I can focus on fighting uh, the person that or the opponent I'm fighting rather than flying the aircraft which makes my job a lot easier. The Typhoon uh, is a phenomenal swing roll aircraft so we now have a full suite of air to surface weapons from Project Centurion from taking over from the Tornado. At the moment we are going through an upgrade uh, which should be coming in in 2025 to upgrade our radar so I'd say once we get radar 2 I can't fault the aircraft in any way. So how do other nations or pilots view the Typhoon? So we have uh, a few exchange officers uh, flying on 29 Squadron. So uh, one of the guys is an F-22 pilot who was actually on the 94th when I was out there at Langley. Uh, he flies the Typhoon and I think they're just absolutely astounded by the, ex the, the power that the, the jet has and the ability to pull 9G. He also raves actually quite a lot about the uh, anti-G system that we have in okay. the Typhoon. So he says that the uh, full coverage G pants that we wear, the jacket that we have, and then the pressure breathing that comes through our mask, it all inflates to be able to let allow me, look I'm built like a beanstalk so not <laughs> designed for G, uh, allows me to sit there and only have to do minimal straining at 9G which is incredible. So obviously you're here in your black suit, you became the 2021 display pilot. Can you tell us how this came about? Yeah, so I started on the OCU Operational Conversion Unit as an instructor initially uh, in 2019. Uh, every year they'll do a, a selection process for the new Typhoon display pilot. So initially you register interests with the boss, uh, you send him uh, an application form talking a little bit about who you are, what you do uh, and why you want to be the Typhoon display pilot. From that list, uh, they will shortlist to, uh, for my season, there was four people. Uh, and then you'll go into the simulator with the previous display uh, season pilot and you'll fly a section of someone's display. So mine was Ryan Lawton's right. from yeah. 2017. Uh, from there, they'll kind of grade you on how well you flew that. Uh, you'll fly the, sim the sequence twice uh, and they might throw a couple of injects in there to see how you react, for example, like an emergency whilst you're pointing at the crowd. From there, you'll then go into an interview with um, the station commander, the squadron boss, uh, the warrant officer in Ooh. there as well, who's obviously <laughs> questioned about your discipline, a scary man, uh, <laughs> and uh, the previous display pilot as well. And they'll ask you a plethora 
plethora of questions for about half an hour and at the end um, they'll, they'll, they'll have a meeting who, who they think they'll uh, select and I actually last year was in the Falklands I just did my interview the next that weekend I was flying down to Falklands for my eight-week stint down there and uh, during my first week on isolation down there I got a call from the boss saying I'd been selected so it certainly made the isolation go a lot quicker yeah how did that yeah. feel like what, that, getting that call that must have been like getting well initially he wound me up and said <laughs> the way the way he was talking to me was if I hadn't been successful and then he dropped it saying oh you're gonna have a busy year then uh, so you better get ready and yeah it was absolutely phenomenal I had to go down the uh, we had this sort of we had this gymnasium where we where we had our food and uh, a couple of beers so uh, definitely opened a can that night to celebrate nice one so who comes up with the routine so the routine uh, is designed by the pilot of that season. Um, the Typhoon has uh, a limited number of manoeuvres that we are safely allowed to do, uh, which are prescribed uh, in our regulations. And from there, you will pick manoeuvres that you'd like to fly, put them into a sequence, and then you'd practice it in the simulator before we fly it live. The, um, the sequence itself, uh, for myself, I had a lot of time, obviously, in isolation in the Falklands. So I, I went into YouTube and watched uh, a lot of the old um, season displays so uh, you'll see from my display a little bit of um, Squadron Leader Long's uh, display a little bit of uh, Jim P's display and a little bit of Ryan's display and then add a little bit myself in uh, when I was designing it We'll then come back to the UK. We will obviously, like I say, do it in the simulator to make sure you have enough time and fuel to be able to get through the full sequence. And then you'll fly it live. So you'll do um, six uh, display practices at 5,000 feet. You'll do six at 1,500 feet, six at 1,000 before you finally allow down into low level. Uh, we use 500 feet as our minimum for aerobatics, 300 feet for rolling, um, no more than 60 degrees angler bank. And then we can go down to 100 feet uh, for our high speed passes. Uh, and we're a limited 20 degrees angler bank uh, at the lowest but 100 feet at 600 miles an hour is pretty impressive <laughs> i can imagine so he focuses the mind <laughs> i can imagine yeah so is there much banter between like you know the past air display pilots like oh i'm better than you or anything like that no no absolutely not no it's uh, it's all very professional and humble um i'd say the past display pilots um, want you to have a successful year and they want you to do have an amazing routine so they're actually they get heavily involved in like the kind of sequence uh, design in the early stages to try and make your display really good so actually they're, they're there to mentor you more than banter you <laughs> obviously we have banter between each other uh, in other scenarios um, in terms of international sort of display pilots I was fortunate enough to meet the French Rafale display pilot oh, out nice there one. and there's always just the standard French versus English banter etc uh, and uh, yeah but it's all very amicable and it's all very kind of um, complementary of each other. So you kind of alluded before, but uh, can you just go into a bit more detail about uh, your, you know, the flying training for the display? Yeah, the flying training. So, uh, like I say, you'll start off at five thousand feet. You'll fly your display. So I would uh, go to uh, the north coast of the the wash uh, near Holbeach Range, and I'd use that as a line feature. So we obviously, when we fly our displays, we do it to a line. Uh, I would pick a feature on the ground. It was one of the factories down there, and I'd use that as my datum point. So the datum is the middle of the air display. So if you're an air display and you're sat in the middle you'll get the full you'll be in the middle of the whole routine itself um, from there you then come to the airfield at 1500 feet and you slowly work your way down so initially at 5000 feet you're focusing on the gate height tech and speed techniques so you're making sure that you can fly the maneuvers safely and are actually in the profile that when you pull through you've got enough height and speed uh, low speed to be able to make the maneuver uh, simulating a ground level of 5000 feet and then once you get down to 1500 feet and you're in the overhead of the uh, of the airfield you're then looking at getting the lines right so we have an a axis which is the line or the crowd line uh, we have a b axis which is 90 degrees to that and then between the two we have 45 degree angles 
angles as well. So you're looking to try and nail those sort of uh, axes. So can you talk us through PDA for yourself? Yeah, PDA was uh, actually incredibly for PDA for myself. It, just, it was fortuitous that I actually got my thousand hours in the Typhoon oh, wow. as I did my display break uh, from my PDA. So um, yeah, so the approval officer for all our displays um, is AOC One Group. So he will um, give us the permission to display in front of the public. So he makes sure he's the final safety stop to make sure that the display is, is safe but also effective as well. So we do it with the BB at Collingsby so we kind of run a day before uh, we'll do a practice um, where we do a kind of pseudo air show where the, the BBMF Spitfire Hurricane and the Dakota will go up in time slots and then I'll get given my time slot uh, and yeah he will then at the end of that grant us uh, as a signed piece of paper with his signature at the bottom saying that yep saying to you approved for the 2021 display season to, uh, to, to go to the air shows and, and display safely. A few beers after that? Oh yeah we had a few beers after that absolutely so it's all about the team as well so um, behind me I've got a huge uh, network of support from uh, the engineers so in the office where we sit we've got a, a senior engineering officer uh, sorry a, an engineering manager uh, James Pavitt we've got an, uh, a typhoon display manager uh, which was James Hodgson it's now Holly who's replaced him uh, and then we have our kind of social media reps which is Bev you'll see him all over Instagram and Facebook uh, and now we have a guy called uh, Adam Fletcher who's now our kind of movements logistics and he is now taking over uh, Corporal Bevan's job who's now moved back to the front line so yeah when, uh, when you do the PGA, actually what, what took me was how happy and excited everyone was on the team as well for us actually getting our PDA uh, and straight from there we obviously went out and had, a, had a, um, a drink to celebrate which was good. So it's certainly not a one man band then? Absolutely not, so that's the core team um, in the office but when I deploy on, uh, on displays uh, throughout the UK I always take an engineering team as well. So the engineering team, there's three of them, Phantom, Tornado and Lightning, uh, they are made up of um, engineers uh, who work on the squadron, um, all the way from your AV technicians, so your avionics, uh, your mechanical and your armourers as well, because obviously we have an ejection seat uh, that needs servicing and also um, any uh, into sort of fuel tanks or stores we're carrying, they've got uh, live cartridges on there as well to blow them off in an emergency, so um, yeah, it's a huge team. And then obviously with that engineering team needs support from logistics, so we need to get all our equipment out there, so we've got the log logistics section, MT, they do all the driving the vehicles, uh, air traffic, you know, and then at the end, um, at the uh, industry level as well, we've got BAE, uh, Leonardo, uh, Squadron Prince, uh, Breitling, these are all um, uh, sort of companies that support the team uh, uh, when we're out there on the, uh, on the, sh on the season. Yeah, because you are like, yeah, it was all over social media. Your helmet was really cool there, um, that brightling on the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, interestingly, we got that designed. Um, uh, James Pavitt, my uh, engineering manager, designed it. I gave him my initial sort of thoughts of what I'd like. And then they sent it to a company that actually paints Lewis Hamilton's. Um, no way. Lewis Hamilton's racing car driver helmet, obviously. And uh, he did that for us, which was really cool. Um, nice brightling on the back and the Union flag all over it. So. so, what does the Typhoon do well and not so well in a display? Uh, so the Typhoon uh, is incredibly uh, capable at staying close to the crowd because it's maneuverability and it's carefree handling. So you'll never see the Typhoon get more than two miles away, which means one, you can see it, and two, you can see all the contrails that it produces, and three, it's very, very loud. Uh, if, you've, if you've been to a Typhoon display, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll definitely hear it. Um, so the things that we try and sort of showcase for the Typhoon display is its ability to accelerate. So you'll see it slow down to 120 
120 miles an hour, you'll see us right the, light the reheat, uh, accelerate uh, up in the vertical, come back down towards the crowd, and in that 15 second gap, I've gone from 120 miles an hour to in excess of 500 miles an hour, Christ. which is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what does it doesn't do uh, so well? Um, well, let's, let's just look at the kind of F22 and flanker displays. It doesn't have thrust vectoring, so you don't get that incredible, almost unbelievable nose rotation that you see when the flanker is doing backflips. The Typhoon can't do that. It wasn't designed to do that. Um, I'd say that was uh, yeah, one of the things that it would be awesome to have thrust vectoring on Typhoon, but the sheer noise power, G-force that it can produce is just incredible. And each year, is there one or two manoeuvres you keep in um, to, you know, like kind of give the typhoon its kind of signature i always think of the last uh, you know the aileron rolls the typhoon only has a limited amount of maneuvers that are actually allowed to do in a certain sequence obviously we put the sequence together as the uh, the display pilot um, the maneuvers you'll see um, the, the display is designed with a beginning middle and an end so you'll always see some slow speed pass with high angle attack you'll always see a little bit of gear down action and you'll always see normally if you're not landing at a display venue the uh, incredible uh, climb performance of the Typhoon as we do the display break. So I know last year's display pilot Jim P did it on the A-axis in front of you going up, whereas I actually um, would come in on the B-axis 90 degrees of the crowd to pull up in front of you. But the reason I did it was because of the new livery that we have this year. Uh, so you can see the underside is the belly as I pull up and then I'll just ALO roll until I run out of airspeed or airspace. And obviously it's called Blackjack. Who came up with that name or was it on social media? People just kind of tagged it in. Yeah, so we uh, we took ZJ914 uh, and we uh, we came up with a concept that, or we were directed that this year we're going to fly the flag. So you want the Union flag uh, as much as possible. So you'll see it on my helmet and on the jet. Um, the uh, Adam Johnson, Mr. Adam Johnson, who's an uh, enthusiast, uh, he came up with the initial sort of designs. He would draw it up for us uh, in collaboration with the team. Then we would send that up the, uh, the to the chain of command uh, who would give her the approval, came back down to us, and then Circo in the paint bay uh, produced the, uh, the goods and, and painted the jet itself. Uh, when it pulled out the hangar uh, on the day we revealed it, it was an incredible moment because it looks awesome. I like to refer to it sometimes as the Austin Powers jet because um, <laughs> there's so many name. flags on it. Uh, but yeah, Blackjack came about from, uh, I believe it was social media and it just kind of stuck. So Blackjet with the Union flag on it, Blackjack, it, I mean, it sticks it as works, a good rhythm. It? Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's good. So what are the trickiest display sites? Uh, so my first display was at the Midlands Air Festival uh, oh, yeah. and that is a tricky, tricky site. So I think that was the first time they've actually had a fast jet there because it's usually for, um, for balloons, etc. So um, it was a really nice uh, estate, Ragley Hall. Uh, big sort of open sort of area with uh, just loads of forest, like really tall trees, the tallest trees I've ever seen. Uh, and the display line itself was in kind of a bowl, so it was actually a late spot, but fortunate enough on the Typhoon we have um, great avionics, so we can use the, uh, the display and the head-up display uh, to line up, uh, even if I can't see the display site. But once you're into that display arena, it is all visual, normally out of the window, looking for your datum and the lines, etc. And that was really tricky because it didn't have a runway, it didn't have a coastline, it just had some boys or some, some mark in a field surrounded by forest so it's tricky. Uh, I went with uh, Jim P to the simulator before flying at that venue to have a look at it uh, and the simulator does replicate the area quite well so I was actually quite well prepared arriving there but I'd say that was the trickiest one from the 2021 season. Do you have a favourite manoeuvre yourself? 
Yeah, I like the slow speed pass because uh, I'm uh, nose really high and actually it's the first time in the display where I can look down and see all the faces looking up and see how big the crowd is. Um, and then at the point I get in front of the crowd, I like the reheat and I'm just pinned against the seat as it accelerates up into 70 degrees nose up for the half Cuban and that absolutely every time leaves my stomach behind me, it's brilliant. Never gets old, I'm guessing. Never gets old, no. <laughs> no. So how do you find uh, interacting with the public at these air shows? Yeah, so we have a public relations team as well. That's one of the ones I actually missed out for my last list, so apologies. Yeah, public relations are huge uh, for the display. So we have uh, Sergeant David Holmes, he's our PR manager. He has a team of uh, all volunteers, and these can be across the Air Force at RF oh, Coningsby wow, okay. that deploy on the shows with us. So you'll have seen the either the tent or the trailer that we take to all the events. Uh, they are the public face at these air show venues uh, for the display team. Uh, and then I will do, I'll try to factor in if I can, a little bit of time to come down and meet the public sign some autographs and just from my experience at Sun and Airshow being inspired by the Red Arrows and the Harrier that's my aim is to inspire the next generation so uh, the young children that come up with their flying suits on uh, if they're in red flying suits or black flying suits is brilliant because they just are so keen and want to want to and we give them lots of free stuff as well uh, like balls and uh, yeah. key rings etc uh, and we just want to inspire them to maybe get into aviation uh, when they get older so obviously it's been a tricky year but do you have a favorite um, airshow you flew at uh, I would have loved to have flown at Sunderland Air Show this oh, year because it's a hometown show. Hometown. Um, but no, they're all. I don't actually have a favourite because they're all different in their own ways and they'll bring their own unique sort of quirks. So I had a brilliant time at all the venues I flew at this year. So have you had a favourite moment while displaying the Typhoon? I think my. F I would say that favourite moment, the moment that I remember the most is. Um, it was at Bournemouth uh, on one of my evening displays. I'd actually left one of the maps uh, on the combing and my first time I rolled upside down for the inverted half Cuban as I pushed minus 3G, uh, the map flew up and it took me by surprise. So I had to do some sort of fly the jet whilst trying to retrieve the map uh, and then make sure it was safe to continue. That was definitely one of the, the moments I remember. Um, I think the rest of it is just um, all the display seasons or the display shows that I did was the feeling of just working as part of the team. So we didn't drop one single display this year with the jet was 100 percent serviceable for all of the displays wow. that we did and that's just an incredible feeling to be kind of displaying that jet after all the hard work that's gone on behind the scenes. So this is from Joe. Sainty, any chance of a North American 2 with the Typhoon, please? Um, so when we get given the uh, display season plan, it's done by our air events team. So we have a team for the Royal Air Force that kind of allocates all the different shows with the different display teams. Obviously got the Falcons, the Red Arrows, the BBMF and the Typhoon. Um, I think I've seen in certain plans, there are North American, I think there's some Canada slots there, but whether we get given them, it's, it's up to the hierarchy really. So I'd love to go and display over in uh, North American Canada, um, but I can't guarantee that might happen. I know the, Ameri the, the Reds do, did that a couple of years back, didn't they? So who knows, it might happen, you never know. Watch your space. Yeah, watch your space. <laughs> I'd love to go. Exactly. <laughs> right, so we've got a couple of personal questions. Um, so do you have any hobbies, obviously, apart from aviation? Yeah, I'm massively into kite surfing. So um, when it's windy, uh, and hopefully warm, not much in the UK. <laughs> uh, we, I go down to uh, Hunstanton or to Skegness, depending on the uh, wind direction, take my kites out and go and do a bit of kite surfing, uh, which is good fun. Uh, I do a lot of traveling with my other half, Naomi. Uh, we go, um, when we go backpacking, I like to get into scuba diving with her. And uh, yeah, when we're over there, it's a lot warmer. We do a lot more kite surfing <laughs> as well, so yeah. Brilliant. So I'm gonna guess the answer to this, but uh, favorite aircraft you have flown? Favorite aircraft I've flown is probably the Takano. 
I mean, the, the Eurofighter is amazing, but the Tacano is kind of, the, the Eurofighter, you're flying a computer, so you're not actually connected to the controls, it's all fly-by-wire. Um, the Tacano, though, you actually get the feedback through the control column, and I don't know, it's just something, because I think it was, I'd flown uh, Vigilant and Gob Tutor, you know, the kind of uh, prop aircraft, uh, piston prop, and then the step up to the Tacano, aged 19, with 1,500, uh, 1500 horsepower. Uh, it was just incredible. Um, I think it was just the, the feeling of, well, actually I can do aerobatics without descending, whereas the Grab Tutor you'd have to use yeah. obviously height. Uh, and just being that age and being able to, to fly something that powerful, uh, I was pretty cool. So I, I do have fond memories of flying the Takano and it's out of Linton News as well, which is incredible. It's crazy, like 19 years old, I can't think what I was doing at 19. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were flying the Takano. But uh, one aircraft you would love to fly? Uh, I think it would be the Spitfire, absolutely. I'd love to fly the Spitfire. It's just an iconic aircraft, isn't it? And I was very fortunate enough to um, to fly Blackjack over the White Cliffs after um, after the Bournemouth Air Festival. So you'll have seen some pictures in the media of um, the reheating with the, the Union flag turning towards it. And uh, I had to pinch myself because you think back in the day in 1940s, what the pilots back in then would have uh, thought as they did the same. Um, I think that's such an, such an iconic aircraft and I think it would be a world-class experience. Absolutely. So can we find yourself or the team online? Yeah, so the team have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. Um, if you just uh, type in search engine for the Typhoon Display Team, it's all on there on Google. Uh, and then the Instagram page as well, Typhoon Display Team Official. Uh, you can uh, follow us on there. Uh, and we do post there, we normally do Foon Fridays and pictures yeah. on there and then when we are going to the display sites there's always story updates and pictures from the team. Brilliant, well thank you very much uh, for coming on the show, Santi. My pleasure. <laughs>